You're listening to the Learning While Working podcast from Sprout Labs. Sprout Labs builds digital learning platforms that enable enterprises to author, deliver and measure high-impact digital learning ecosystems. Welcome to our next podcast in our series on AI and L&D. I'm Robin Pettit, the founder of Sprout Labs and the host of the Learning While Working podcast. To go along with this podcast series, there's an ebook as well that includes edited transcriptions of all the interviews, and it includes an introduction to what is AI, what is machine learning, and some of the jargon that gets talked about in the interviews as well. That ebook is in the resources section of the Sprout Labs website. In this podcast, I'm talking with Jamie Good. Jamie Good is one of the people that has really pioneered the use of chatbots in L&D. Includes him talking about a great example of a, a chatbot that was focused on collecting takeaways from conference sessions. For Jamie, one of the most powerful applications of chatbots in L&D is performance supports, which is something that Paul Healy from Learning Pool also talks about in a later podcast. This interview is also packed full of great advice from Jamie on getting started with chatbots in L&D. Jamie, welcome to the Learning Way Working podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be on this. So, Jamie, you've done lots of work and thinking around the potential of chatbots and L&D. What do you think could be some of the possibilities for using chatbots in L&D? One of the reasons I got into chatbots in the first place was because I saw the potential to kind of, I think you could pretty much apply a chatbot to almost any situation, really. It just depends on what you really want your goal to be. But with Learning and development specifically, I think one of the great things a chatbot can provide is performance support. And um, I've seen, just in my experience at least, that we're not really all that great at performance support. We're good at building the learning experience or the scenario for someone to learn, but then we forget about the follow-up. And I think that a chatbot can do a really great job of performance support in terms of automating that for us, um, making it personalized for the user, and making it mobile and easy um, and frictionless by just having it on someone's phone, for example. So I suppose it's this thing that it, yeah, it's a very easy way of building something that's actually in the flow of work, which is what performance yeah. support should be, rather than something that's in an LMS as well. Well, the difference, I, th- I believe, is we live pretty much on our phones now and they're in our pockets. So I always say, you know, why not build the learning for where people already live, which is on our phones. And one of the advantages of putting it on the phone like a chatbot is that texting is the number one activity on a phone. So we're already doing that. You don't have to teach someone really how to use a chatbot. They're already texting. And with an LMS, sometimes there's, sometimes the first module is how to use this LMS. And with a chatbot, you just start, you just you start texting. And that I think is something that's really attractive to me is barrier-free or frictionless learning. And the fact that you don't need another login and password to be able to use it is something else I think is really good because the more barriers we put in front of the learner, uh, the less likely they are to use it. Yeah, chat is just a really simple bit of technology. It's, it's almost, I mean, it's essentially the old-fashioned interfaces to computers were essentially command lines. Yeah, yeah. It's just really interesting, I think, actually, as we're moving forward, that we're actually almost returning to something that is so simple. Why do we go towards this sort of simple text-based way of working? Because there's too much around us right now, I think. There's so much complexity. I, I have this term that I've been using for a few years now called infobesity, 
I think we have that as it's almost like a, a disease uh, that we just have so much information being thrown at us from so many places and there's always a new app or there's always a new software tool and we have to kind of learn how to use that one and then you learn how to use this one and then those tools are upgraded and changed and so we've got to learn a new feature and texting is just simple it's just use your thumb or even speak to text and send a few words and get some back it's it's just so simple and i think that if we're mixing learning with something complicated the cognitive load becomes such that it's more difficult to learn and it's not as enjoyable and i think people just want to get straight to what they want as quickly as possible and you can do that just by texting uh, that's the other thing about chatbots i like is that you can give the pull and the push and design it so that people can grab what they need from the chatbot when they need it, sort of that 24-7 just-in-time approach. But you can also automate nudges and reminders and things to help with the performance support. So I, I like those two pieces. Yeah. So just to explore performance support a little bit more, have you got some examples of where you've seen chatbots really work really nicely with? Well, one, the one performance support chatbot that I built that I thought was pretty successful in terms of the feedback I got in the engagement was I was tired of going to conferences and learning all these great things from keynotes and sessions and then getting back into work and life and forgetting everything. And I was like, wow, I flew across the continent. I spent money on the flight and the hotel, et cetera. And then I forgot what I learned. So I built a chatbot that was kind of, I guess you call it performance support for conference. Uh, it was a conference takeaways chatbot. And while you were sitting in a keynote session or any kind of other session, and you heard something you wanted to remember, you would just text my bot the word takeaway. It would say, okay, I'm ready, what's your takeaway? You would text it in you know, a few words what your takeaway was, and the chatbot would ask you when you want to be re reminded of that takeaway the following week while you're back at work. And then when you were back at work, let's say you said next Tuesday, so the next following Tuesday, the chatbot would automatically remind you of that takeaway, but then it would go a bit further and ask you, you know, who can help you make this takeaway a reality? What are some barriers you need to get out of the way first? Have you told anybody about it yet so that there's an accountability piece, et cetera? And so I would, I, I felt like that was kind of a simple way of giving people performance support for their own personal development when going to conferences. That's a really cool example, Jamie. It's just, it's nice to be able to give two sides to it, the actual first side, the capturing of what, what the takeaway is, but also then helping people make it actionable. Yeah, because I think if we're learning all that great stuff at a conference, but we don't do anything with it, then what's the point, right? <laughs> it could actually be used for lots of different types of note-taking and logging and journaling in lots of different situations in work, couldn't it? Yeah, I think... Like, I don't know about you, but I've seen many people have their laptop open, for example, during a conference, or they have the notebook with their pen, and they're writing feverishly, and I would bet that not many people go back to those notes once they get back at work. Yeah, we actually tried to do a joint collaborative Google Doc for the virtual learning conference, and it was actually really interesting. I actually found I couldn't personally split my attention between the working on the notes and actually facilitating concentrating as well and it was just really interesting how the dual process of we're working on a screen trying to do two things was just not great whereas maybe in actual fact actually having another device that was actually being used for the knowledge capture would be a different way of working mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, the other thing, and it's just the thing we're actually generally seeing through the use of chatbots is using for support in pieces of software as well. Yes. And you're starting to do a, a, quite a lot of work around what sometimes is called soft skills. Do you think there's actually an application for chatbots in those other sorts of less technical areas? Yeah, I think so. I think if you're creative and smart about how you approach it, I think you can really help people learn quite a bit through something like a text interface. I mean, there's of course a limit, but I also like to remind people though that with a chatbot, you can also include links to videos. You can include links to like PDFs, for example, or blog posts. You can include images, GIFs. And so there's actually a lot that you can be included apart from just text. You do then have to consider though data and, and whether people are willing to use up their data to, to view those other things that you might include, but you don't have to be limited to just text. And I think that in soft skills, you could, you could create conversations that help people realize or at least reflect on certain things that they're doing or saying or behaving. And maybe they don't have necessarily, let's say, they're not maybe able to apply some of that in the conversation, but you can have them reflect on how they're applying or not applying these things outside of that texting conversation, like in their workplace. Sometimes I think just getting people to think about something and reflecting and pausing is even valuable in, in a situation like that. Yeah, when the podcasts are all out, Jamie, I encourage you to go and have a listen to what Emma at Lever Learning has been doing because essentially that's what she's using chatbots for doing is trying to trigger personal reflection to activate learning. So it's actually really interesting that that's what you're talking about as well. To dwell on something that's a bit negative for a moment, you actually said there's some limitations. What do you think the limitations are? Yeah, I think like you've got to consider, for example, like I think it would be pretty cool in a chatbot if you use kind of a branching scenario like um, Kathy Moore talks about where you take people through the variety of choices and one choice leads them down the wrong path, but another choice leads them down the right path and they learn through discovery. But there's a limit to how much people want to do that. I mean, it depends on the person, but I sense that people don't really like to be texting on and on and on with someone for like an hour after you know five ten minutes of back and forth with someone sometimes we just make the phone call and so i think some of the limitations are just the amount of texting back and forth it takes for someone to learn something so for example you can have a chatbot with domino's pizza and you can order your pizza through a chatbot but as soon as they released it people are like okay this is cool technology but it took me so many texts back and forth to talk about the toppings the thickness of the crust, my address, et cetera, that I could have just done it online or on the phone faster. So that's one thing I think to consider is just how much are you asking people to text back and forth before they actually get some value out of it? Yeah, so it's possibly more suitable for smaller chunks of learning. It might still be delivered over a period of time, but it's that mm -hmm. sense that it's actually that notion of, of quite often we use our mobiles when we've got two or three minutes, not an hour of time. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because it's about thinking about the, the place of the medium. And this piece that you said about over time, I think, is another advantage of a chatbot where you can create a spaced learning experience by having that automated over time, and I think that's another benefit. Mm -hmm. So you've developed a few of these now, Jamie. How do you go about sort of planning them, and how does the technology work? I just want to try to demystify the process a little bit for, for listeners. 
So I'm not a coder or a programmer. For me, I need to find quote unquote DIY or do it yourself options or what I use is Mobile Coach out of Utah. And the reason I use their platform is because I didn't need to code or program. I needed to kind of know how programming worked, but I didn't actually need to program the back end. I just needed to think about the scripts and what kind of language and punctuation responses, et cetera, I was going to put in there. But the the action of that being automated and going to someone's phone, they had already built in the in the background of their platform. So you don't have to be a programmer or coder to do this. Um, you can find many, like it seems to me like almost every week there's a new platform out there to help people build chatbots who don't know how to program, where you just kind of plug and play and you put in the pieces you want. And then in the back end, they've already built it to work for you. But you have to really consider, I believe, people think that artificial intelligence is amazing, and it is, but it's not where it needs to be for something like natural language processing. So for example, if I want you to learn something and I ask you a question, that would be, what did you do today? Because I want you to reflect on your activity for the day. You could really respond with anything. There's no way that the chatbot would be able to be built to handle any possible response to a question like that. So what I think is a smarter approach at this time before until natural language processing catches up is that you basically guide the conversation by giving the user certain responses that they can choose from. So for example, if I ask you, what did you do today? I might give you three responses. I worked really hard, I slept all day, or uh, I visited with my friends or something like that. But I give you the choices and then you just tap on one of those and then the next question follows. Otherwise, the bot will be what we call broken. People will break the bot because if the bot doesn't recognize the response it gets, it doesn't go any further. And then the conversation ends for the user. So that's something to really watch out for. And so when you're planning and prepping to build, you have to think about that is what's the decision tree kind of approach I'm going to do here and how am I going to guide people, but also make them feel like they're in control of it at the same time. So it's almost through that decision tree process, you have moments that are closed, choices are a series of, of almost multiple choice questions, and then moments that are yeah. more open. And some of the moments that are open, I imagine, is also where you're not actually getting the chatbot to respond. It's actually more about the sort of reflective thinking process. Yes, which you can, which you can also do as well. So I recommend if no one's touched a chatbot before, um, there's one on Facebook Messenger that I think is quite good at um, what it does, and it's been built by Stanford. It's called Wobot, which is W-O-E-B-O-T, and it's like a mental health, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy chatbot, and it will ask you, for example, what are you doing right now? And then you will just write that in, and the bot will respond with the next thing that it's, it wants you to do, but it won't respond to what you just typed because it can't. So it basically just gives you the opportunity to sit and reflect and go, oh, okay, what am I doing right now to be present? But it doesn't, it's not built to respond to that necessarily. And so it can capture those sentences though and feed them back to you like my chatbot did for the takeaways. But assuming that the chatbot can respond to anything people will throw at it is, is something that's just not possible really. Yeah, and it's... AI technology is at an interesting turning point, and it's what, especially around language, language processing, it's still fairly primitive as a technology, but it's, it's fascinating how essentially we're still able to do a lot and get 
different types of results from using the fairly primitive tools. Yeah, um, yeah. So when it comes to scripting, So I think scripting, it's interesting. I did a in-house learning summit for a company earlier this year, and I had them practice writing scripts for a chatbot. And of course, things, issues came up like what I just spoke about, where they were writing really open-ended questions. And I told them like it would be impossible for the bot to respond to that. They had questions also that when written on the whiteboard looked fine, but then I said, what's that gonna look like on someone's small screen? And so I think, Practicing script writing, even if you're not going to build a chatbot, but just thinking of that skill is really good because it can be transferred to so many other things. Like if you want to work on micro learning or you want to be more succinct in your e-learning scripts, if you're thinking about that and maybe write for text and think, what does this look like on someone's phone? How would those come across on their screen? Like how many lines will it Will it kind of go down their phone? How many times will they have to scroll with their thumb to read the whole thing? Those types of things you really have to think about because I, I don't know if, if you feel the same way, but if something doesn't fit in my screen, I sometimes kind of go, oh, that's too much to read, right? Or if I'm constantly scrolling and switching it with my thumb, I might give up after three or four scrolls. So these are the things to think about, like what makes sense on a small screen? And, what I've recommended to people a lot is get yourself what we call in Canada like a, a cue card or a recipe card and just keep that next to you while you're working on your chatbot to remind yourself of the size of screen you're designing for. That's a lovely idea actually, Jamie, just that, to have that sort of thing next to you to sit there or on the, on the corner of your screen to go, actually, that's the amount of real estate I've got, not this big, huge yeah. desktop screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we work on our desktop, so we assume that everything that looks good on our desktop screen is going to look good on the phone, too, and sometimes it does not. <laughs> the other thing I recommend with script writing that I, I forgot to mention, too, is, is think about being informal. When we text our friends and family, we are not super formal. We don't put periods at the end of our sentences. We often forget commas. We sometimes don't even put in apostrophes for words like don't and can't. And so think about that while you're writing your script, too, because if you go at it thinking, I've got to have the punctuation and the grammar and everything perfect. It's not going to come across like a real texting conversation. And even though people know they're interacting with a bot, you want them to feel like they're having a conversation with a person to stay engaged. There's actually even research that shows in learning that using informal, casual language, we perceive it a lot faster than more formal language. And then yeah. there's, there's this odd thing that happens that as soon as something gets written down, it has to go, people want it to go formal because that's what we've been trained to do. But in learning, we need to be a whole lot more informal. I yeah. agree. Yeah. And I imagine that's actually even more important with, with chatbots. So the interesting thing too, is when I started building my chatbots uh, a few years ago, it was still a thing where you had to consider the character count. Yep. And I believe it was 160 characters I had to play with. So I purposely removed punctuation at that point just because it took up too much real estate in terms of character limit. Okay. That's, that is really interesting in terms of that. So just also just realize we might not have made it really clear um, to listeners that what you're talking about is um, using SMS for um, chatbots, not just web chatbots mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. which is where some of the character restrictions come in. So. Yeah. Jamie, if an L&D person was starting to get started in, in um, chatbots, what do you think would be a really good first thing to do? 
I think first try one out. Like there are tons of them out there now. There are some that work well and some that don't. Wobot, like I said, is I think a really great example of a well-built chatbot. They incorporate emojis for part of the questions or responses. They give you um, opportunities for reflection. There's spaced out learning. There's retrieval opportunities. I think it's really, really well built. Another one that's super popular is called Poncho, P-O-N-C-H-O. It's basically just about the weather, but it's very fun. It uses GIFs. It uses kind of crazy humor, and it's irreverent sometimes. So I, I recommend that people just try one. Facebook Messenger is probably the largest platform for bots because there's just so many users. But you can also find them on Telegram. There's a few for Skype. There's some for um, Slack. There's lots on Slack, which are called Slack bots. But I recommend people try one first so that they have an idea of what it looks like and how it works. And especially with Wobot, to see what it looks like to give people response options as opposed to just letting people respond in any old way that they want. That's the first thing I'd recommend. Cool. I think that's a pretty great bit of advice. How about trying to figure out when it's appropriate to use a chatbot? Have you got any sort of thoughts on, on that? And is it just actually that sort of sense of maybe the times when you might be thinking about performance support, a chatbot might be an option? I would probably start with performance support if I were to, if I were in a company and wanted to build my first one. Just because I think it's something, first of all, like I said, I don't think we do enough, but also because if you're doing performance support, you've already got the content that you can tweak and, and, and fit into a text-based solution as opposed to starting from scratch with a new kind of approach, which is the text-based chatbot, and then with a new topic as well. And we're really good at building too much content for learners. So I think it would be nice if someone took existing and then, and then started removing all the unnecessary stuff and putting it down into a succinct text-based sort of approach would probably be a smart way to start. Because the other thing about performance support in the chatbot is that you're giving people the support whenever they need it with that just-in-time, on-demand, 24-7 kind of approach with a tool that's just in their pocket. And so I think that would be a great way to start is give people that experience and see how they feel. Because if you are telling people who have never really used a chatbot before that they're going to learn something completely new in a way that's also completely very new, that might be a difficult sell as opposed to saying, you've already learned this thing, and I'm going to give you this really cool, convenient mobile tool to be able to remember what you learned and put it into practice when you need it at the time of need. Okay, that's actually that's a really great bit of advice, Jamie. They're, they're a really nice way to sort of wrap up and finish as well. I think that's a really great starting point for people getting started in, ch in chatbots. You've given lots of examples and tools. I'll make sure that the links to those are in the blog post and ebook that goes along with this series. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for talking and giving me this opportunity. It's really fun. Thank you for listening to the Learning While Working podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please leave a review. If you want to find out more about Sprout Labs, go to sproutlabs.com.au. We regularly run webinars and publish ebooks and guides about learning while working.